The Broken Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Welcome to December, friend. On this first day of the month, we're going to enjoy a story together. Story from my heart to yours. Story about a little girl, the longing in her heart, and the comforting words from a grandparent who will keep a tradition in the face of great loss. I hope it'll stir your soul. No nativity sets were harmed in the reading of this story, but wait, there's more. Not only will you hear the story, you will hear from the person it came from and about the real Christmas candle. It's going to be a good hour. Let's get started. Our website is where you can find out more, chrisfabrylive.org. Our team, Ryan McConaughey, is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Tahira is in the chair today, and Josie will be answering your calls. And since it's Friday, that's right, it's time for the fabulous Fabry Friday Sigh. Here's what it does. One, we oxygenate your blood. Two, we get your endorphins going. Three, we raise your serotonin level. Four, we promote lymphatic drainage. And five, we stimulate your parasympathetic system. That's why we call it the five lung languages. We also stimulate your vagus nerve. We help you release acetylcholine. And don't forget what it does to cortisol dissipation. Take in four seconds of air through your nose right now. Hold it four seconds. And then as you release that air through your mouth, push on the left side of your rib cage to get rid of all that bad carbon dioxide. Let's give a December sigh. Let's give a sigh for all the preparation ahead. A sigh for the tinsel and the wrapping paper and the pine needles. A sigh for children's eyes all aglow. I was walking in the parking lot of a big box store the other day, and there was a mom and three children, and I was close enough to hear two of them whistling Tchaikovsky's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy from the Nutcracker Suite. And I thought, what a wonderful thing to overhear in a parking lot in December. So give a December sigh today, enjoy it, and remember the fabulous Fabry Friday size public service of this station, Moody Radio, and the Sci Society, a Sausalito. <laughs> That's how you do it, right there. Nice job, Ryan. It was not that's not an easy tune to whistle either. I was really impressed by these kids. These little little teeny kids. I wonder if they did ballet, you know. Uh first first up today, let me thank you for your support in November. You would not hear this program if we didn't have people like Maria and Donna and Ellen and Sean and Sharon and boy, so many more. Join us and support us. So I want to mention a few of those names and some of the notes when you give I think you can do this when you call in, but when you give online, you can give a send a little note. And some of the notes being left by the people are so encouraging, like this one. I'll read this. Chris Fabry Live has traveled with me many miles and encouraged me at home. His style is to present truth with compassion and humor. And when someone is deeply hurting, he genuinely and compassionately responds helpfully without watching the clock. And that is the goal. I don't, honestly, I don't always live up to that, but that's a very kind way to describe what we try to do here at the back fence. So thank you for that. Um, That really is the purpose of the program. Another message, real short, please pray for my family. We just lost our father. Another, please pray for the salvation of my entire family. My son says he's an atheist. Another, I have so appreciated the focus on Alzheimer's this month. This was for November. My mother has been officially diagnosed with dementia this last year, although it's been something I've been seeing for a couple of years. This process is challenging, and I so want to continue honoring my mom during this season. So those are just the the first three or four responses that I saw on my screen this morning. 
and it shows the depths of people's hurt and pain and struggle and life that they're going through, as well as some are in the middle of celebrations and milestones, and you might be enjoying of life, really, you might be on a, a high point here today. So all of that is mixed in with the conversations that we have. And I like to think that's what we do together. We, just, we do life. And uh, for those of you who care enough to reach out and support us, that is not taken for granted. Thank you. This month, we're going to continue the offer that we had for you last month. Make it easy on all of us. <laughs> I've been working on it for three years. Saving Grayson is the title of a novel I'd love to send you a copy. Give a gift of any size. We'll send it your way. All of my stories have some kind of mystery to them, something that I'm trying to hide for you to figure out. And so far, from what I'm hearing, the people who have read this, the surprises are hard to guess. But when you understand, when you get to the end, they're satisfying. You understand why things happened the way they did. Anyway, I want to send you Saving Grace and call 866-95-FABRY. Give a gift of any size, 866 866- Nine five three two two seven nine, or go to chrisfabrylive.org. You can see how you can be a friend or partner with us there at the Radio Backyard Fence, chrisfabrylive.org. So I missed a deadline in June, and the editor of Mature Living Magazine sent me a kind email and said, a friendly reminder that your December story is due, <laughs> or was due. And this is one of the things, I pride myself on hitting deadlines, I may not be the best writer in the world, but I'll, if I'm on time, you know, I'm, I'm ahead, of the, ahead of the gate. Um, and editors will come back to you if you're on time. There's a little tip for you. And Debbie, Debbie Dickerson works with Mature Living Magazine. She reminded me in June um, that she said, you, you sent me an idea earlier. And she described it, and I had forgotten about it. And, and I said, tell me, what, tell me that again. And she said, it was from one of your programs. And one of your listeners contributed this, and she mentioned a specific name. And I, I said, bingo, there it is, there it is. And it was almost as if the story was just sitting there waiting for me. <laughs> but even though in this story that you're about to hear, even though I changed things, I knew that I needed to reach out to the person who had told the story here on the program. She emailed it to me, and I read part of it on the air last December. And I reached out to Sarah and I said, told her what I was thinking about doing. And she said, quote, it would be an honor for you to use it. I love the way you write, which was also very kind. So I wrote a story about a little girl who broke the baby Jesus. And I wrote it in her voice. And after we take a break, you're going to hear it. So let me say it now. When you hear me reading this, Think of the face of a little six-year-old, some little six-year-old girl that you know. And she's kind of from, she talks, her vernacular is from the South as well. So a little six-year-old girl from the South who cannot leave the manger alone. Ever have any kids like that who see the creche and who wander a crash and who want to enter into that world and pick up the baby Jesus? That's really what we do each Christmas, isn't it? We are we're like children again. We're entering into that holy, mundane moment when heaven kissed the earth with a Savior. Not to a castle came the king, but to a lowly manger. So you can understand why this little girl would want to tote Jesus around with her. 
and the guilt she might feel when Jesus broke. Now, after you hear the story, we're going to hear from Sarah. And I also want to give you time to process that with me. That's kind of the fun part of this time together. I'll I'll read a story, and then you get to tell me what it does inside, how it hits you in the heart. So write this number down, and if something sparks in your heart as you hear it, call me, 877-548-3675. It's only about nine minutes long, so I, I think something... Something will happen to you as you listen to it. So if you're driving, pull over for nine minutes or, or concentrate on this. And then tell me what you pull from this story, The Broken Jesus. You'll hear it after we take a break. If you want to read it yourself from Mature Living Magazine, you'll find a link at our website. They've given us that story for you and the illustrations. They always do a great job with the illustrations of The Broken Jesus That story is straight ahead here on Moody Radio. I broke the baby Jesus. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. It happened last year at my grandparents' house. I spent the night, and then early the next morning, I got up and went straight for Jesus in the manger. I couldn't help myself. Papa said I could move the sheep and the donkey, but not to touch Jesus or his parents or the wise men. But that morning, I grabbed the manger, and when Mama called me to breakfast, I put Jesus in the chair with me, right under my leg where he'd be safe. I didn't mean for anything bad to happen. In fact, I took right good care of him for a while. I kept lifting my leg, looking to make sure he was all right. But I guess I got distracted by the back of the cereal box or the salt and pepper shakers. The pepper is a rooster and the hen is the salt. I get to play with them all I want. Anyway, when I got up from the table to take my bowl to the sink, I plumb forgot Jesus was with me, and he fell on the tile floor. The manger went one way and Jesus went the other. I just stood there looking down. I couldn't look up at Mama and Papa. They didn't haul off and yell or anything, but I kind of wish they had. It would have filled in the silence in the kitchen. Finally, I couldn't stand it anymore, and I looked up, and their eyes showed a mix of hurt and disappointment and sadness, I guess. I hate letting people down, especially people who love me. Papa tried to fix Jesus with some Elmers, and he did a pretty good job. But the smile on baby Jesus' face never looked quite the same. Instead of him looking up all peaceful and content, his mouth looked kind of crooked, like he was frowning. I guess that's what you get when you drop Jesus. So this year, I've learned my lesson. I'm leaving Jesus alone. I'm not touching the nativity set, which is what they call it, though I don't know why. It's really old, but it's not the oldest thing on the fireplace. The oldest thing is the Christmas candle holder. Mama says it's made of brass, and whatever brass is made out of, it's heavy as all get out. I can hardly lift the thing. Not that I've tried, of course. I would never touch it because I'm not supposed to, and I don't want to break anything else ever again. Last year, 
when Papa held that heavy thing up and lit the candle inside it and said the words he speaks every year, his hands shook. That's how heavy it is. But come to find out, Papa was sick last Christmas, and I had no idea. Grown-ups don't tell you everything. They tell you what they think you need to know or what you can handle. But I'll be honest, I don't know how to handle being without Papa at Christmas. It doesn't seem right to even celebrate without him. Mama tries to look happy, and she bakes cookies like every year. But when somebody you love isn't there, even cookies don't make up for it. And when we put on one of the Christmas movies we used to watch with Papa, she gets this far-off look on her face. And sometimes I see her wiping her eyes. But even then, she tries to hide it with a smile. But it's a sad smile. She's not fooling me. And I smile back just as sweet as can be, like I don't know a thing about how hard it must be for her. I wonder if she knows about my smile like I know about hers. I wonder if grown-ups don't tell children things because they can't handle it themselves. I was thinking about all this with my chin on my hands, staring at the frowning baby in the manger, the flicker of the fire on his face, when Mama knelt down beside me. Her knees, when she bends them, sound like saltines you crack in your soup. But she settled in and reached out and wiped something away from my cheek. Whatever is wrong, sweetheart, she said. I thought about saying it was nothing or maybe that I'm allergic to fireplaces or something like that. But I just looked up to her and tried to keep my chin from puckering and said, Mama, who's going to light the Christmas candle? She hugged me for a long time, and then we sat on the couch together. We both had red eyes and needed about three boxes of tissues to stop all the tears, and even that didn't stop them. Finally, she took a deep breath. Do you know how the lighting of the Christmas candle started? I shook my head, afraid that if I talked I would start snorting again. It was your papa's grandfather, Samuel, who I first saw light it. What was he like? He was old then, with gnarled hands and skin so thin it would bruise if you sneezed near him. But he said the candle holder belonged to his mother, and every year in December, when it got the darkest, she would light it, and the tears rolled down his cheeks at the memory of her. He repeated the words he heard her say long ago. What words? The ones your papa said a year ago. I scrunched up my face and Mama asked what was wrong. I can't remember what he said. Would you tell me? She hugged me again and rocked back and forth. When he lit the candle, he said, This light is to remind us that we have been visited by the sunrise from on high. Jesus has come to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I remember now, I said. That antique candle holder was passed down through the years and given to your papa. And every year he kept up the tradition to remind us, with tears in his eyes, that Christmas is about when the light of the world broke through our darkness. 
I shook my head and looked through blurry eyes at the brass holder by the nativity. It's not fair. What's not fair, sweetie? It's not fair that we won't ever hear those words again. She turned my face to hers and smiled, but this time it wasn't a sad smile. I wasn't sure what kind of smile it was, but I could tell there was something else there. You will hear those words this year, she said. But who's going to say them? And who's going to light the candle? I will light the candle, and I will say the words. And all of us are going to cry, but that's okay. It will be a good cry because we're going to remember Papa and his daddy and Mama and their parents and all those we love who are no longer with us. And the reason the tears will be good is because we'll cry with hope in our hearts. Joy and sorrow are right there in the light of that candle flame because Jesus entered our world, our darkness. He was bruised and broken for us. And death could not put the light out. Death can never extinguish the hope we have because he defeated death. All of a sudden, something inside felt warm, and it spread all through me. And I went to the fireplace and looked close at the manger. And through the cracks Pawpaw had glued, I didn't see a frown, but just a trace of a smile on baby Jesus' face. And I realized right there that I had not broken Jesus after all. He'd let himself be broken. And he did that for me so I could have light in the dark times and hope in my heart. How do you react to that story today? I think the line that jumps out at me as I've listened to it is, I plumb forgot Jesus was with me. <laughs> Maybe there's a connection that you make from your own experience or with your children or something specific from the story. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. I want to hear from you. Tell me, tell me what's going on in your soul as you listen to the broken Jesus. 877 548 Three six seven five. The song at the end is another version of Away in the Manger. And I had to reach out to Larry Shackley, my pal, who knows a whole lot more about music than I do. And he knew exactly what I was asking. He said the two tunes, the one that we usually sing to, uh, to that song, is Mueller. That's the, the song title. And that one that you just heard is called Cradle Song by the American hymn writer William Kirkpatrick. 877-548-3675. I underlined, as I was listening to that, these, these words kind of jumped out at me again. Grown-ups don't tell you everything. They tell you what they think you need to know or what you can handle. And then I wonder if grown-ups don't tell children things because they can't handle it themselves. And... Again, the childlike wonder and the guilt. Did you notice the uh, <laughs> at the beginning? It's it's like Jesus is frowning. He's not he's not smiling anymore. And at the end, she, she the little girl sees a trace 
of a smile, the childlike wonder, the guilt turns into something different. And then the realization that Jesus didn't wasn't broken by accident. That always gets to me. It was not by accident that he he gave himself for us. All right, so that's the broken Jesus. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, we have some green buttons there, and you can click the button and read that story, again, with the illustrations uh, from uh, Mature Living Magazine. They're the ones who put this together. If you want to read that again, sometimes people will say, hey, I want to see that. I want to read that uh, in church or to somebody else, somebody that I know. And uh, if that's you, just go to the website and you can find it there. ChrisFabryLive.org, ChrisFabryLive.org. I'm going to introduce you to a woman that I know who I reached out. And at the very end of that uh, story, I say this. Um, this story is loosely based on the life of Samuel Hardiman Jones Sr., as shared with me by Sarah DeCosimo Jones in honor of her husband, Steve. And so we're going to hear from her. As a matter of fact, let's go to the great state of Texas now. She lives in Chickamauga, Tennessee. No, Chickamauga, Georgia. But she's in Texas. Sarah, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing all right. <laughs> um, you are a longtime friend of this program. You've called us before. You've emailed me. You even I have on my desk here the book that you sent me by Andrew Murray, Humility and Absolute Surrender, because you knew I needed that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I needed that. When um, Steve was dying, um, I got a hold of that book and it became my go-to on on just understanding that humility is really not about your view of yourself, but it's your view of God. And when you have a correct view of God, everything else falls into place. (laughs) Well, I said about you, because I don't have an actual bio of you, but I said, you're a wonderful writer, thinker, theologian, you blog, you do stuff on social media that I've seen, and you are acquainted with suffering, as you just said. And that's partly where this story intersects with your real life. Um, so why don't you, I've got a couple of minutes before we take a break. Why don't you pull back the veil? Where did this story, uh, you know, this is my version of the story, the little girl who broke Jesus. That wasn't part of your story, right? No, no. My story began with, uh, when I was very first introduced to the Jones family at Christmas time and, Steve's grandfather actually was the one who introduced us on a blind date. And um, so we had met in October and I was completely in love. And by December, I was just wanting to become part of that family. And that was when he introduced that candle to me. And he began uh, the Christmas meal with a prayer and talking about the candle and, and he had, it had belonged to his mother and she had used it before there was electricity. She had used it to carry with her in the night. And when he prayed, he, he wept as he remembered his mother and 
and it meant so much to me that when he died, he 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 gave me that was that was given to me. The candle was given, and so the next year after he died, I asked his son um, to say the prayer and to light the candle, and it became a tradition that um, every Christmas morning when we would have breakfast together, Papa would light the candle and and he would cry. <laughs> there were just this, um, a tradition of tears and light and family. And then um, about 10 years ago, both um, Steve's parents died within a week of each other. And when Christmas came, came I, I always would put the candle with the uh, nativity set that we had gotten in Bethlehem. And when my daughter saw it, she just started crying. And she said, but Mama, who is going to light that Christmas candle with Papa gone? And I told her, I said, your father will light the candle and we'll cry and we'll remember that the candle will be lit. So after Steve died, I decided that it was my turn, my yes. turn to to light the candle, to remember. And that's one of the things about traditions is... Um, yeah, let me stop you right there, Sarah, because we're going to take a break here because you, you led us right into the more of the story that I want you to tell. And we're going to hear from you as well, 877-548-3675. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. You've heard the story. You're hearing a little bit about where that story came from. I always like it to hear the behind the scenes. You know, what was the spark for this? And Sarah DeCosimo Jones is telling a little bit about her trajectory and her family, the situation and the candle holder. But I want to go back to you now and get your response to the broken Jesus. Mark's in Grand Junction, Colorado. Hi, Mark. Go right ahead. Hey, Chris. I sure do appreciate your ministry, brother. I love hearing you read stories. <laughs> hey, as I choke back the tears, uh, the candle and the broken Jesus brings back wonderful, blessed memories of years and years ago, decades ago, of the last wonderful family gathering Christmas in Crawford, Colorado, referred to as Cowtown, USA, in the Western Slope in the Rocky Mountains. With my grandparents and my mom's side of the family, 11 of them out of 27 that were in attendance, that we all lit candles together. And 11 of them are in heaven above now, both my grandparents, both my parents, an uncle, two aunts, and four cousins are all in heaven above waiting for the great reunion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just got to say, uh, and Chris, I'll tell you, Jesus did come down here and he allowed himself to be broken on the cross on Mount Calvary so long ago yeah. to give us the opportunity and to redeem us of our sins mm -hmm. and to give us life eternal. And that and wonderful can't, promise. Is you, can't, 
you so can't separate you. those, Mark. You can't separate, you know, this because I love the baby in the manger, but, you know, the man hanging on the cross, those two things are are together, the the incarnation, you know, the birth of the Savior and the sacrifice, and you can't separate that from the tomb that's empty either, right? Amen, brother. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Oh, I'm glad you got through, Mark. Thank you for your kind words. Sarah, I want you to respond to that. There's shades of, of your situation in here, too. Well, you know, I think the the message of redemption is so beautiful and that tears are part of Christmas. There is, you know, there is a sorrow that we all carry and the story of Christmas is the story of redemption. And that picture of, uh, you know, the merciful compassion of God and the dawn from on high that visits us and the light that penetrates into that darkness is it it just is real. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, let's go to Rosanna in Illinois. Rosanna, what did you want to say today? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, say that I really appreciated that story, and it really just stuck out to me, stuck out to me about, you know, how true that is. You know, Jesus came to this earth, and what they did to him uh, how that, uh, you know, they did not break his body, really, but he allowed himself to be broken so that we could be saved. Right. He did yeah. that for us. I've often thought about that, you know, the the guilt that the people or, you know, the centurion that's standing there, surely this was the Son of God. You know, this was this was on your watch. You hold responsibility for doing this, and yet— it was the sovereign plan of God before the foundation of the world. So, Rosanna, a really good point. Let me get to Pearl in Oklahoma. Uh, Pearl, what did you want to say? Hi, Chris. Thank you um, for your ministry there. Um, I'm driving, so I hope you can hear me okay. I I guess what jumped, nothing too profound, but what jumped out at me it was when the ornament the baby Jesus was not the ornament. The baby Jesus was broken, and uh, Papa and Mama did not react to that and just were quiet. And Papa went and fixed it quietly. And um, I think it's Elizabeth Elliot who said to you know respond, not react. Mm. And it just reminded me during this season, this Advent season, to be aware of um, responding, not reacting, and responding with the, you know, patience and kindness of the Lord, of Jesus. Yes. Intentionally, uh, almost, because <laughs> I'm thinking of the, of the grandparents, they know how hard it's going to be for this little girl not to pick the baby Jesus up, you know? They, know. they know what goes on in the human heart. Um, with a child that just wants to play, you know. Um, but the, the, you're exactly right. It, there were not these, and even the little girl says they didn't haul off and yell or anything. And I kind of wish they had. You know, it's it's better to, to to go ahead and yell, and then I'll feel feel better about it than to feel the disappointment that they have of this um, manger scene broken. That's a really good thought, Pearl. Thank you for calling today. Um, let me take uh, Curdy 
in Spokane, Washington, before we take a break here. Hi, Curdy. Go right ahead. Hi, Chris. I'm really glad to talk to you. I was just thinking while I was listening to you, I just love Chris Saban. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Anyway. That's very nice. Yeah, I mean it. I, I've actually met you when you were in Spokane here uh, last time you were here, and you gave me an Overcomers book, Aww. and I love that story. It was beautiful. That had but so much I was, fun. I had so much fun in Spokane, and I even fun. got a back fence. The 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 uh, hey, people who gave me there, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. But anyway, um, you know the story was beautiful, and it, I had to sit in the car to listen to it because I couldn't. I got drove in the driveway, and we're it's snowing like crazy here. So I was thinking I got to get in the driveway and stop so I can hear the story. And it was a beautiful story. Thank you to um, the lady who wrote it. Um, but it was the part when the little girl realized how things aren't different when somebody's gone. And my mom, who was 95, passed away this year. And it was uh, things just aren't the same. You know, she was the she was the one that decorated everything in her house, the bathrooms, everything, and uh, made nice lots of nice food. And she was all about family. And Thanksgiving was really weird, too. It was like, man, it just doesn't feel right. But anyway. It's not um, the same, is it? It's not the same without that other person there. And no, it's not really supposed to be the same. And I want to get Sarah no. in here because she has some fresh grief as well with the passing of her husband, Steve. And and I've kind of walked through this with you by extension, Sarah. You told me about the the different trips and the doctors and what they said and, you know, what, what you were going through and what he was walking through. And then the news that came. And now here you are with that loss that Kirby is, is talking about as well. Um, it's not the same this year, is it? No, it's not the same. And it is hard. And I, you know, I, um, and working this, working through this with my grandchildren and my children and the importance of grieving, the importance of acknowledging your pain, weeping, and there's something about it that when you can express it and when you can share it with others and share the stories, and this is, it, it, it makes, it's amazing. I know your mother died the August after Steve died, and you, and you probably have experienced it too, but the memories, <laughs> when you've lost someone who, like, um, having lost the, our caller that lost their mother, those memories become so alive <laughs> and so special. And, and you know, that's um, those shared traditions, those shared memories. It's just, it becomes a very sweet part of Christmas to just talk about it. Exactly. You know, this happened to me at Thanksgiving dinner because one of my kids asked me, so dad, what was it like at Thanksgiving at your house? And I've started to have, and, and it takes a, a moment to just, you know, shut out all the media and shut everything else out 
to just be with your thoughts, to run back there. And I started remembering some of the, she just loved to bake. She loved to cook. She was so busy. She was uh, hurrying around and she would all, <laughs> she would always apologize. You know, all oh, the turkey is, is a little dry this year and people would, no, no, it's great. It's great. Oh, well, the green beans aren't as good as they used to, be, you know, and kind of eliciting <laughs> that. No, no, it's great. It's great. But I, I had this memory of the mashed potatoes that she, <laughs> that she used to make and the corn that she would can and then bring out at Thanksgiving, just these rich, warm acres of memories that come. You're exactly right. Let me take our final break here and we'll come back. I want you to hear a little more from Sarah and what she has been through. She's from Chickamauga, Georgia. She's in Texas right now. And she's a friend of this program, and I think you're going to enjoy what we have for you in our final segment. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. I saw a statistic today, a poll that was done of women who said they would not have chosen abortion If they had had support, something like 60% of those surveyed said, I would have chosen differently. That's where the church comes in, I believe. And it's why one of the major efforts of CareNet is to equip churches with the women and men making that decision about an unplanned pregnancy, equip them to reach out to those women and men. CareNet believes at its heart, abortion is a discipleship issue. Now, that may sound weird to you. What, what do you mean by that? The men and women in that situation need transformation. And the only way to get transformation, we're talking about it today, the light and the life of the gospel. That's what provides that. And that's why CareNet has developed Making Life Disciples. It's a program to equip churches to provide compassion, hope, help, and discipleship to the women and the men who are considering abortion. You can find out more about that when you click the CareNet. It's a green button at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Go there today. Click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org. You'll also find that story that I read, The Broken Jesus, from Mature Living Magazine, and thanks to them for providing the links and the, the PDF that you can read. But also thanks to my friend Sarah DeCosimo-Jones, who gave the idea for that story, and you're hearing a little bit more about it now. But I want to go to that that grief part, Sarah, because there's a lot of people who have an empty place at the table this year for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. What would you like to share? Well, Christmas is a, such a special time. And even if there's not grief, it's a tender time. It's a time when you can um, experience a tenderness that that you might not experience other times of the year. But when you add grief to that experience, um, for me, it's it's a time when you turn off the artificial lights. Christmas time often has. I'm, I'm here in Texas, and I am amazed at all the lights that are on all the houses every everywhere we go. And oftentimes, Christmas is filled with activities and filled with uh, responsibilities and getting everything done. And and uh, you just are running so fast; it's hard to 
stop and remember what the point of Christmas is. Grief, however, turns off all the artificial lights. It, it takes you to that tender spot where you experienced, you experienced that dawn from on high. In the mornings when I wake up, I like to wake up before the sun rises and I go outside and I, I try to make sure during that time that, that I've turned off all of the indoor lights so that, so that I can focus on the stars, so that I can watch, so that I can watch the story every morning that the light overtakes the darkness. The light expels the darkness. For me, every morning, I am reminded of the truth that the darkness has been overcome by the light of God. And grief during this time when everybody is excited and everybody is busy, it quiets your heart. It takes you to a different place. One of the things I experienced um, for Steve, um, Steve and I had been married for 48 years and he had, um, for about a year, he went through a process where I know you just finished the month of November and talking about Alzheimer and dementia. Steve went through a time where I slowly lost him um, mentally and then physically. And one of the things that I held on to was that the story of my life was so much bigger than the chapter that I was on. And this is, this is one of the places I go to now at Christmas. I look at the bigger picture, not just this one chapter where there is grief and there is sorrow, but that this is part of a larger story, the story of redemption. And uh, this, is, this is what I have found as I have um, just processed grief during a time when everyone else is celebrating. And sometimes you just are quiet and you remember and you let the fuller picture, the truth penetrate deeper into your heart that stars are always shining, but they can be seen best in the night. <laughs> And that is Sarah. Um, that is that. That is exactly what I wanted to hear from you because I know the depths that you've gone through. And uh, you talk about Steve, and our listeners don't know Steve and don't know what you've been through. But that's okay. They know someone who's walked through that. But the thing that I keep coming back to is, grief is good. Not not the the way that you get there. But when you get to that valley of something that you've lost and you're grieving that, it's a good thing that you're able to grieve because you had something good to grieve. And so even in that, you can give thanks to God for, you said, 48 years. I mean, you, you had no idea when you first you know, started out, started down the trail, how long it was going to be, right? Well, actually, when I met Steve, he had cancer. And so uh, when we got married, I took a magic marker with me because he was getting cobalt treatment. And 
every time we would go swimming, I would retrace the lines of his cobalt treatment. And he started chemotherapy the month after we were married. So actually, when we were saying our vows, and I said, until death do we part, I wondered how long I would have with Hmm. him. Wow. And 48 years. That's amazing. That really is amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for, do you still have, you actually really have that candle holder and that brass candle holder. Is it real heavy? Actually, it's not. It's, it's, it's probably over 200 years old now and it's very battered, but it was the one that was carried every night and put on the bedside because there was no electricity. (laughs) Yes. Yes. What a story that candle holder will tell. And uh, what a story each of our lives have it when the light dawns, like you said. And even if you're going, what would you say to somebody who's going through some deep waters today, who's, who's walking through some of those end-of-life things that you have walked through recently? What would you say to them? What I would say is, The scripture repeatedly tells us in everything to rejoice. And the reason that we can rejoice is because there is a greater story than the chapter that we're on, that we have been invited to this beautiful story of eternity, a story of hope, of redemption and salvation. And uh, such great, deep love, not just the spoken word love, but the word made flesh, love made flesh to give himself for us and rise, defeat death, rise again. We heard that today. Sarah, you got to come back with us. Thank you for for being the impetus for this story, sharing that and uh, sharing a little bit of life with us behind the scenes. Thanks for being here today. God bless you, friend. Thank you so much. Sarah DeCosimo Jones from Chickamauga, Georgia. You can find out more about that story at the end of it. I, I give her thanks and I give uh, Steve thanks called Broken Jesus. And we had a caller who said, oh, there's somebody, there's a, a young girl in our church who just trusted Jesus. And I want her to be able to read that story. Well, you can do that. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org and we've got a green button there where you can click it. And you can read that story uh, online right there, The Broken Jesus. Hope you have a great weekend. Come on back for the first Monday in December. If you are single, you got to talk with Lisa Anderson about all things single and everything that's going on around you that is (laughs) romance and couples and families. It'll be a good program. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks a lot for listening.